it's Samilla from Men's Wear by Woman podcast. Welcome to another episode. And today's episode, um, my guest, I've actually got in touch with him this year at some time. Sent him a message. He's an amazing photographer. Um, loved his photography. And I thought, yeah. And suddenly I thought, why not get him on board and talk about photography and creativity and everything? His name is John Michael Arcella. And it's from New York. I'm calling him and doing a um, podcast all the way in New York. Hi, John. Hi. How you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Good. So um, your photography, John, amazing photography, amazing Thank eye you. for photography. And um, how did it all begin? Did it all begin with photography or were you going into something else? No, actually, it began with... Um, well, I'll say this, when out in my first uh, couple of years, I was in community college back in 2001, and I took a photography class. Back then it was film, of course. I mean, that's all we had was film. Um, and I took a photography course back then, and it was, uh, you know, we, we would shoot, and it was really more about developing film. Right. It wasn't, we weren't being taught about, like, composition or, you know, subjects to shoot or anything. It was literally just, like, the basics. It was black and white, and it was it was shooting to develop your, your film. And, um, and, and that was really it. It kind of stopped there. And I, you know, I, I moved on to other things. Uh, actually originally I was in that school at the time. It was like, I was told that computer programming was, you know, the thing to do. (laughs) Um, cause this was before design. This was before, you know, everything. So I had enrolled as I majored in like computer programming and then quickly, realized that it wasn't for me because my, my brain just doesn't work in that kind of way. Like coding yeah. doesn't, isn't really the way my brain works. And then, um, one day someone handed me a flyer for a new course, a new, um, a new, uh, yeah, new course at the school it was, it was called, it was called, uh, what was it called? It was called something like digital media art. Right. And basically it was the beginning of graphic design. Um, we were learning as the professors were learning, like they were literally just teaching us out of the book. They didn't know anything either. So um, it was like Photoshop 101. It was Quark, which was before InDesign. It was um, Illustrator 101, you know, those kind of things. So design, I started in design and um, it wasn't until way later uh, I went back to school to the Fashion Institute of Technology and I went there for, um, what was my major? My original major was communication design. Right. And then I, I majored in my bachelor's is in packaging design. But while I was there, we started um, digital photography. Okay. So that's, yeah. So that was, I got an intro to digital photography at Fashion Institute. So, uh, the, I mean, when I first came across you was um, through the magazine, No Chaser, the menswear magazine. It's lifestyle and yeah. menswear magazine. And when I saw your images, that you took there, that's when I got in touch. Was it something that you've always been interested in menswear? Yeah, I've always been interested in, um, I guess, like style. Yeah. Um, I think in probably in the late 90s and stuff, you know, like fashion was, you know, for a teenager in high school, right? It was, uh, you know, Tommy Hilfiger and Nordica and those brands, uh, especially with like rap music and hip hop music and stuff like that was super influenced by, by that, like what we saw in music videos. We wanted to, 
you know, we wanted to emulate those, you know, our favorite artists. Um, and then eventually, you know, going to Fashion Institute, being, you know, surrounded by fashion was great and style and, and you know, seeing process and how things are done and, and whatnot. And then um, I think, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how many years now, but I started doing a blog or, a, you know, IG called The Daily Chore, which was um, basically where my two passions kind of met, which was mm -hmm. photography and me menswear and denim. Right. And from there, wow. you know, I was going to a lot of the denim events, like Denim Days Festival and Kingpin shows and, and really like learning everything about denim uh, as a passion, but not as a career so much, but as a passion. And um, a lot of brands would like my photography and, you know, gravitate towards it. And, you know, I do things with different brands. And um, so, yeah, though, there was a crossroads where I was, you know, at like Liberty Fairs, uh, expos, like fashion expo style expos and meeting brands and all these other kinds of things and really kind of, you know, immersing myself in that. And, um, but it was through photography. That's what brought me there. I wasn't designing menswear. I wasn't, you know, I just had a style and, you know, some people would gravitate towards it. And I think I photographed it well. And I think that's what people really resonated, uh, what people resonated with. I think you've got amazing eye for uh, menswear photography though. Thank you. Um, I think some of the styles of photography that you've done, it's quite unique. Was it always, um, was it difficult to get into photography? in a sense, in fashion no, photography? Not at all, not at all, actually. Um, I think uh, it's funny because I, so w when I was doing the daily chore, it was mainly like, you know, um, selfies. I was, I was shooting myself. I was the subject. And, um, you know, I, because I understood photography, it was really about light chasing. So it was really about how how the light would set a mood. Right. Right. Uh, Okay. And, and that really, I think that's what really drew people in because, um, I think when we see, aside from editorial and magazines, when you, you know, go on a website, um, uh, for a brand, yeah. it's, it's always well lit. It's always very bright. You know, yeah. you want to see the thing, but I think I was probably creating a mood and with the light, it really, it really, um, would highlight the details of like, you know, a chore coat or, or jeans or, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but actually, you bring up No Chaser, and how that came about was, um, I think he, they saw, I shot for French Connection. I was like a second shooter for a campaign they did. And when the shot, you know, when, when all the work was completed, yeah. um, as an artist, right, it's like, when is something done? You know, it's like never done. So even though the photos were completed, I wanted to continue to push them and animate them. Okay. And that's where the graphic design uh, comes in. So I would take, and, and the pandemic. So during the pandemic, it was kind of like, um, what do you, you know, we're not going out. We're not interacting with people. So I, I was in Clubhouse on the app Clubhouse. I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever um, got into Clubhouse. Um, but the Clubhouse app, someone asked me, there was a question and it was like, how do you stay creative during the pandemic? And yeah. my answer my answer was um, to look at your old work, look at your the work that you have. We all have our hard drives filled with, you know, designs and yes. things and how to give it new life. And mine was to 
you know, animate, add illustrations over it and do all these fun things. And no chaser saw that. And right. Um, yeah. So it, it wasn't specifically like they saw, oh, I like the way you shot this, you know, pair of jeans. It was that I was taking my own photography and I was amplifying it with animations and motion and illustration. So that's how that came about. Oh, wow. I never. Wow. That's quite a very interesting story, actually. Thank you. Yeah, it was um, it was surprising to me. So I think like my um, what's it called? My uh, advice to any creatives is, you know, to just continue those passions um, and put it out there. And I and to be honest, I've gotten more work putting my passion projects on LinkedIn and people reaching out through that. Do you think passion is very important? Passion, yeah. I think it's extremely important because the a lot of the work and or jobs or freelance or whatever you want to call yeah. it that I get it's yeah. it's not from my day job right like my day job is is so different and it keeps me those passions keep me inspired they fill my soul especially photography fills my soul yeah um and you know I look for it every day I need to shoot every day I need to photograph something every day I think we're creatives, um, all of us, we always have our day job and we have the passion for the non-day job. Yeah. You know? And I, to me, to me, I think that's the, that's been my key is that, um, and I don't, I don't know how other people feel, but you know, I've been offered, uh, jobs in fashion yeah. because of, because of the denim, you know, the, because of the denim stuff that I did. And I, I never was really, I was never really into, I guess, working in the industry because the stuff that I was doing gave me freedom. I could do whatever I want wanted and I wouldn't have to worry about rules or anything like that. I mean, my day job has rules. So when I'm not at work, I get to break the rules with all the other things that I do. So, <laughs> I, think um, so. I think it's like with all of us um, in our day job, we have the rules. And then when we come to the point where we're doing our creative side, it, we let loose. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I've, I've never really pursued anything in, in fashion so much. Um, there was one person that, that offered uh, something interesting. This was a few years ago, and it was when lasers in denim became the, the thing. I think like Levi's was doing it yeah. a lot, and um, someone was asking me, like, there was a, to, like to go, because I do design, they were saying you could learn how to like use these lasers to etch the, the designs into denim, into clothes. Oh. Um, and I think it was, I feel like it was in, I feel like it was in Spain or something like that. Um, which I thought was really interesting, but it, it was, more, it wasn't creative. It was more like learn how to use this tool so that you can put other people's designs on you know, laser in on denim. So um, it was interesting, but I, I, I didn't pursue it. Who, who do you think at the moment in menswear, photography-wise, has kind of got it going really well at the moment? Menswear photography? Yeah. Um, like a brand or something that, you know, oh, all, all of it goes I mean, really, really well, and they've got it spot on. Hmm. That's a great question because I feel like it's, it's, 
been so great. Okay, you know what stands out to me right now? Yeah. Is uh, Ame Leon Doré. Uh, yes. Right? Yeah. I think yeah. I think there's so many brands that are doing it great, but there's something about that brand that when it pops up on your IG. Yeah, it's it just it's, looks amazing. <laughs> it stops you. And I think I know, and to me, in my opinion, I think it's that what they capture is this very beautiful simplicity. Yeah. Um, they have their subject centered, uh, sitting on a stool or standing uh, with a, with like a very, I'll say somewhat monochromatic background or like the rug, um, and nice light. And then of course the, the clothes are beautiful. So yeah, that's, that would be, I'd say that brand for sure. And who do you think isn't doing great? <laughs> oh man, though, <laughs> that's an even better question. Cause I think, that they oh, need man. you to know. go and do it. <laughs> it's like if they're if I'm scrolling and they don't yeah. and if I don't stop, it's, I don't even look. I don't even know what <laughs> brand it was. Um, I would. I wouldn't know. I don't know. Is that a bit of a controversial um, question? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Because I think that you know, there's um, like we we're talking about rules, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think um, Ame was they're new, you know, uh, well, they're not really new anymore, but they were new. Yeah. And probably the brands that let, let's say the photography is not so great, then maybe there's, you know, a, a director or a direction that, you know, doesn't really go, maybe I'm not the target, you know? Um, that's probably, that's probably the best answer. I'm probably not the target, but maybe it's a different demographic. And, um, yeah. When you start with the photography side of it in menswear or in fashion, um, when you're doing anything like that, what's the um, what do you how do you begin to tell the story in through your lens? That's a that's a great question. So I'll say, for example, the what I shot for No Chaser, yeah, the the issue number three is the cover I shot, and right. the theme was reverberated heat. Or reverberating heat, right? And that—that that was a And thing. again, I think my background in design, uh, professionally, is you know understanding a brief and um, translating it. I think that's where that skill comes in for me. Right. So it was thinking about heat. What does that mean? You know, um, I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell you this. I shot that. I believe I shot that in March in in Washington Heights, New York City. Yeah. So it wasn't hot. <laughs> it was not hot. It was a. It was a nice day. It was a sunny day. It was. It was. You know, I'll say kind of warm, but it was not hot. So, you know, some of the things were like I knew to bring a little spray bottle of water okay. to okay. to uh, fake the sweating you know, of the, of the subject, the model sweating and, um, just keeping heat in mind. So, uh, you know, we ended up, if you see the cover, it, it was interesting because yeah, I had him. Yeah, I had him. Well, there was, I, I'll have to show, I don't know if you saw the other, I'll have to send you the other shots because it didn't, we didn't start with the, what, what got chosen as the cover was not where we started. Right. I think where I started was almost, let me say too warm 
the background was too, maybe everything was too warm. And we had him stand actually on the top of a handball court. And he had the, you know, he had the hat on, he had the, sh the like the t-shirt, uh, not the t-shirt. I think it was a, I think it was a button up and the blue sky and the, 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 the colors, what was happening with the blue sky and the way the light was going through the hat, there was like a straw hat and it created this, this moment. And it was, it had the simplicity. It had, it had everything. It had power, you know, shooting him from below. He he looked so powerful and in control and it just spoke it spoke to me it spoke volumes and i think that's why it resonated and and ended up on the cover do you think it's um with photography at the moment is it very important for brands to have amazing photography i think so i think so um i think you know we're all visual especially now with uh with, uh, you know, Instagram and social media, yeah. everything. I mean, you have, it used to be three seconds to tell a story. I think it's, yeah. you know, and um, it, it really has to hit. It's, it's, it has to hit in a couple of seconds. That story it, needs to hit. A light needs to hit that. It, it, the, um, the, the style needs to hit the, you know, the garments need to hit everything. So I think, yeah, I think um, it's definitely important in this visual age, social, this, uh, you know, social media age we live in. John, does it take over the garment though? Does the photography take over the garment? Yeah. The details of the actual clothing, does it take over? I think, so one of the, I think one of the things, um, I would say is, is showing the detail is yeah. like, I think the story is maybe let's say three frames mm -hmm. and it's the you know the pulled out the full let's say the full body or you know the full subject yeah. and then and then and then kind of honing in to the detail so even when i shoot product right like i was shooting i was shooting a liquor a liquor brand and it's the same thing it's it's you know shooting the body of the bottle and then the details of maybe the, the, the typography that's on it. And then, yeah. and then the even deeper, the details of the ridges of the bottle. So that's where, to me, especially when I'm shooting denim, you know, denim is, you know, we, we know this indigo, we see this indigo fabric, right? And that's it for most people. But then you get into the detail of like the, um, the selvage part, the red, the red line, the, the, red, uh, the red thread, you know, when you flip the cuff. Yeah, yeah. The rivet, yeah. you know, the rivets, the branding that's yeah, on the button. Yeah. That's that's the history. I mean, let's say like a brand like Levi's, right? There's a lot of history there. So if capturing that, that's what I think that's what needs to happen if if you want the balance so that the photo doesn't overpower the um, the garment. Wow. Um, what's your favorite image of fashion from the past? that has kind of stuck with you and thinking, wow, or for the first time before going into photography that you looked at something, uh, looked at a fashion image and you thought, wow, this is amazing. Um, I'll say that I think when it comes to, I'll say when it comes to fashion, what really blew my mind was the Alexander McQueen exhibit. Yeah. yeah that was i think it was at the met yeah um and i have the book and i think you know as far as because i don't think 
I'm trying to remember. I don't think I went to the exhibit. I can't remember, but oh, I, I have the book. So looking through that book and mm. seeing the way, I mean, like the, the, the stories that were being told through fashion or like blew my mind. I was like, this person's an art, a pure artist. Yeah. Um, I wasn't even thinking about like fashion design. I was like, wow, this person's an artist. Um, so I think, I think that for sure, Alexander McQueen, that book, and um, let's see. Um, I'll say this. Uh, one of my favorite photos of all time is by Richard Averdon, and it's of Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And it's that, I don't know if you've seen it, but it, she's kind of caught off guard a little bit. And you can just see her insecurities. Wow. Um, it was like her guard was down. He snapped the shot. And it's just one of the most beautiful photos. And she's just wearing like a black, um, I think it's like a black, I don't know. It's only from the, it's, you don't see her full body. So I think it's a dress. I think it's a black dress. Um, but that, that image always sticks with me because of this, this vulnerability of this, of her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, one of my favorite image that I remember is, um, Yves Saint Laurent's, um, um, I don't know, yeah, it's a famous image um, where she's wearing the black tuxedo, the dinner suit, uh, okay. the, with the, um, that image. I don't know what it is about that image that just like, and I remember seeing it for the first time ever. And I loved the suit, the lighting and everything was done so <clears throat> beautiful. Her just standing there with this tuxedo on. And um, I think that's the first image that I remember because, you know, I didn't want to go into fashion at all. Um, yeah. But when I did, when I saw that image, it was the tailoring suit, I think, that kind of made me, wow, that is amazing. And that kind of image still, even now when I see it, it reminds me of when I wanted, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do in a sense. Yeah. We talked about, um, we, I mean, I remember when we both had a chat about dyslexia mm -hmm. and how, you know, I'm dyslexic and um, you were saying that you may be dyslexic as well, but you've never been tested by your mind. There's certain things, elements. And I always say that dyslexia was a massive gift to me, I think, because it made me see the world a totally different way. And even though it, I never took it as negative, it's kind of a positive thing that happened to me. Um, what about, do you think the same way? Or would you say that dyslexia kind of stops you from doing a lot of things? Yeah, I, see, like I said, I don't, I've never been tested for dyslexia or anything like that. I always, you know, when I hear about people that talk about dyslexia and some of the ways they learn or interpret things, I, I always ask myself, well, that sounds very similar to me. Yeah. Um, but I've, again, like I've never been diagnosed with it or anything like that. So I, I don't know, but I just feel like I've never, I was never academic. And because of that, I honestly spent a lot of time at, in, especially in high school, drawing instead of participating in the class or or learning or reading, um, I, I remember actually vividly, I had a, 
uh, I don't know what, what it might've been social studies or something. And it was taking a test and I drew, <laughs> I drew a dragon on the back of the, I was done. I, I mean, I don't know if I passed or failed. I mean, maybe I failed. Maybe that's why I finished so fast. And I spent the rest of the time drawing this dragon on a, on a sheet of loose sleep. <laughs> and I remember getting it back and my professor saying, actually, I think I got a couple points off for doing that, which I don't understand. Um, it's, it said something like nice artwork and then like minus five points or something like that. And yeah, so I think it, I mean, in a, in a sense it helped me because I wasn't interested in, in, in academics so much. And I would just want to focus on illustration and drawing and expressing myself right. and using my hands. Do you think it's difficult now to become, to do photography? If somebody wanted to start up and say, you know, yeah, I, I, I want to f persuade into this kind of career. I think it's never been easier. <laughs> I think it's never been easier at this point because everyone has a camera on their phone now. Yeah. And uh, everyone is a, quote unquote, is a photographer. Um, <laughs> right. I. But I'll say this though, I think, you know, with that said, right, like there are, again, there are rules and, you know, I, I always say master the rules and then break them. So if you know the rules, like you can create beautiful art with, with a phone, with a camera phone, um, through clubhouse before, during the pandemic, I was in clubhouse and there was this woman from Africa. I can't remember. I think I can't remember her, um, handle. But she was creating amazing work with a phone. All she had was a phone. She didn't have access to a camera. And she was creating beautiful work. But I think, yeah, when, when a client or someone is paying you to do something, that's when you have, you know, I hope, you know, you know the rules and yeah. how to light things and how to tell that story because that's yeah. where it comes in handy. But I think with, you know, YouTube and all these digital classes you can take, I think, yeah, you can learn it. It's really easier than than when I was when I started. So, John, you know, we've, everybody's got a camera on their phone, right? And you know how you're saying every you know a lot of us think we're photographers. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think you know it's um, you know how digital world is, has taken over kind of thing? Do you think it gets to that point where you know when you see some of the images and everybody thinks they're photographers and all that stuff, do you think it will get to a point where we'll all be using our phones, even you guys, because the more technology on the phones are much more, you know, the cameras are, uh, you know, the real cameras compared to the phone cameras, but some of the phone cameras are fantastic in, you know, doing automatic lighting and all that stuff. Do you think, do you think that's going to happen even more often that, let you know you guys are going to be using less cam the actual camera that's a great question because i think lately i i so a couple of my friends yeah. or other parents that you know been talking to me about cameras or have been asking me similar question about like what camera to buy and so currently i have my phone is old i have like the iphone 7 and i know they're on like 14 now so i don't really use my phone to shoot anything because my camera is not good yet. Yeah. Um, but, but I do, I do think that um, there is a, 
the, the, the technology is, is it's, it is crazy. I think the new yeah. phone now is like 48 megapixels, Definitely. but there's, there's, there's a lack of control though. I think I haven't used it yet. And I know that they do things like uh, depth of field. I know that was an, a new feature, but you can still see that there's problems, you know, um, I I think with the with the with the camera, you just have so much more control, and you can really, you know, make those edits quick quicker. Um, I use a Fuji, so w- one of the reasons I love Fuji is because it has tactile knobs, so I can I can physically turn the ISO and the shutter, yeah. whereas like Canon and Sony, you know, you have to you know it's a button, which is slightly different. Um, I think the phones and the and even some of the cameras, they're what they're excelling at is um, autofocus yeah. and and low light. So these camera these camera phones with the low light are doing some amazing things. But there's just something about you know having a camera, you know, physical camera, and able to you know use a flash and set up you know off camera flash and do all this stuff with lighting that I don't. Actually, now that we're speaking about it, if they if if these cameras could figure out how to do uh, how to sync with a off camera flash, yeah, that that would be amazing. That would yeah, that would be interesting. But I'll say this other one other thing that co- comes up in conversations about cameras in general is that the perception. So, a conversation I was just having recently with with mirrorless cameras, right? So when I was, when I, okay, so when I was, when I, when I was starting, yeah. a, a, what a photographer looked like to, to a young person, right, was this person who had this big giant camera with a giant lens. Yeah. And, you know, they were, they, you know, the way their, their stance, you know, there's a lot of memes about, like, the positions that, you know, photographers stand in, you know. And now, fast forward, you know, 22 years, the cameras have gotten smaller, right? So like yeah, mirrorless cameras, uh, Sony's especially, they're smaller and they're perceived to not be as professional as, you know, a right. Canon, which looks like a monster camera. Yeah. And so when you have a client, they are, they're looking at, they're not, they're not necessarily looking at like what brand camera you have, but they're looking at like, does that camera look professional or not? So I think if you have a client that's seeing you maybe take a photo with your phone, it would come off as less professional. Oh. I think that if they, now, if they don't see that, if they just, if it's remote and they say, Hey, we sent you some clothes. We want to, you take, you know, you go ahead and take photos, which happens now in this you know remote world we live in. If, if that happens, then, you know, it's about the end result and not so much about the, the, the hardware. So I think the perception is where it would come in to play. So what about digital and film? So, you know, with cameras, um, you've got digital cameras and then you've got the other one, which is the film. Which, yeah. one, which one would you say is much more better? Oh, because I feel well, like digital has taken over. Digital has taken over. It's a great, I mean, that's like the question right now in the photo, in the photography community, right? (laughs) Um, I think, you know, purists, I think film is, you know what it comes down to? It comes down to, well, A, the project. Yeah. And 
be, I think, price, you know, film is, first of all, film is, it's tricky because they, I mean, they stopped producing film. So I think in, in America, Kodak, I think is it Kodak is in Rochester, New York. It's the same factory from a hundred years ago. It's that one factory. Wow. So, you know, if they were to just close down, like where would we be getting our Kodak film? Oh, you know, yeah. um, there, there, there's film that they just no longer produce. You know, people have their, their favorites, their, you know, certain um, film stock. Yeah. And sometimes you can't get it. I mean, like a, a role, I'm sorry, five rolls of Portra 400, Kodak Portra 400 is $75 USD. And um, that's expensive yeah. for, you know, let's say a hobbyist. And then that's just the, that's just the film. And then you have to get it developed. developed. Exactly. <laughs> so it's very expensive. I mean, if a client, I think it's good to know everything. I, I, I do shoot film. Um, I mean, that's where I started. I started in black and white film, Ilford. And in the past couple of years, I picked up uh, a friend of mine in my neighborhood, let me hold on to a Mamiya. 645, which is the smaller version of the camera that most uh, editorial work is done. So a lot of editorial work is done in like with the Mamiya, what is it? I forget. Oh, the RZ67 or the RB67. And I can tell you right off the bat, like RB67, you only get, I think, 10 frames per roll. And as opposed to like a, you know, 35 millimeter, you have 36 frames. So it's, 10 frames like you you have to really hope that you really got that that you nailed that shot in 10 <laughs> frames um but i'll say with you know digital cameras now you can you can simulate the look and feel of film and again who's looking at this like if it's a if it's a purist photographer they yeah. might they, of course they might judge they might be like oh i can tell that this is digital why did they do that yeah but to a consumer if, they, if, if it's about a feeling, if they're looking at something real quick and it feels nostalgic, then then maybe that's the goal and maybe that can be achieved with a mirrorless camera. Is it is it difficult, right, to take images of just the product, and especially in fashion? So you're not taking pictures of the model but just the actual product. Mm-hmm. How do you make that product so interesting that to us – it feels like, wow, this is amazing. Because, you know, when you have a model, you know, when they're actually putting the actual garment on, you know, the story, there's a story being told. But mm-hmm. actually when you're taking a picture of the product only, no model, no body behind it, mm-hmm. how do you make that yeah. interesting for the eye? I think for me it comes down to light. It comes okay. down to, a, you know, a light story. You know, we're talking about, the, the garment or the model telling the story. But to me, I think yeah. light can tell a story too. Um, you know, there, when we think about certain moods, right? So like if I'm shooting product and this goes for, this can go for fashion, this can go for uh, a liquor, yeah. right? So I, let's just, let's compare it to liquor real quick. A tequila and a scotch feel very different when it comes to lighting to me. Right. Uh, a scotch, right? Traditionally, let's say that story might be in a in a dark wooded room, you know, by a fireplace. So the the light is very warm, and then a tequila is more of a party, 
And maybe it's a flash. Maybe it's using a, a harsh flash. So I think okay. that also plays the same role with fa- with a fashion shoot. I, I think we've seen it a lot lately, the trend with um, shooting, a, let's say, a lookbook or um, an editorial is is flash, is a harsh flash, harsh shadows versus soft shadows. And I think that plays just a light story alone could help push that story um, as well as creating an environment for the product. So staging, I think when you really want to tell that story of that yeah. product, yeah. having, you know, adding a little bit of accents, you know, um, whatever that story is, if you can find a couple of accent, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, props adding some props to help tell that story and really push it yeah. or creating, a, creating another environment makes it, makes it feel like it's somewhere else. I think that's, that is what can really push the story and help um, support or support the story really. John, who's your favorite menswear brand at the moment? Oh man. <laughs> uh, guys got really great menswear brands. Not saying that we don't as well, but um in New York, when I came to New York for the first time, um, and I saw some of the most amazing brands in New York. I mean, that was quite a few years back. Mm-hmm. So, who's your favorite <coughs> at the moment? I think I don't. And why? Let's see. I'll say that what I so I'm very much about simplicity and. Um, you know, clean lines and whatnot. So I think that Ame Leon Dore is a, is a beautiful brand. I think that, and and let me just say, maybe I'm, I'll I'll say this, I'll be a little bit biased because they're from Queens, New York. I'm from Queens, New York. Okay. So, I mean, he came out of the gate putting, you know, the word Queens um, on the, the crew necks and the sweatpants, which I mean, the style talking about going back to nostalgia was clearly like pulling on my uh, teenage years heartstrings because it was very reminiscent to, you know, the, some of actually some of, to be honest with you, some of the gym clothes that we wore in high school, it was, you know, our, our, uh, our phys ed classes were just wearing a crew neck that said, you know, Queensboro or, you know, my high school name, Van Buren. And, he was doing that. And so that right off the bat kind of caught my attention. And then he just took it to so many levels, really pulling from, you know, in the borough of Queens is so diverse and you can see that he was pulling from so many different cultures. Yeah. And, um, and it just, it comes through in the photography, it comes through in the patterns. Uh, so yeah, so I'm really loving a lot of what they're doing. Um, I think I, I tend to also look at, um, the Wallace and Barnes line of J Crew. Yeah, it's it's very small. There's only a few things, you know, here and there, but they do those very few things really well. And it's mainly like, you know, chore coats and workwear type stuff. I think Todd Snyder. I really like what Todd Snyder is doing. Um, he caught my attention when he was revamping the Champion line of oh, yeah. of sweats. Yeah. Um, but I really like some of the, the suits that he's doing and 
uh, again, some of the work wear there. So I think those are the three that kind of catch my attention a lot. And then there's a lot of like little streetwear brands that I like um, around, around New York. What about British brands? I love British brands. Um, <laughs> I'll say I love, I was really into Nigel Caborn. Yep. Yeah, I was really into Nigel Caborn for a long time. I, I just loved everything he did. Like, yeah, his research. Uh, I mean, when he does his research into menswear and into that kind of, you know, into what his brand's about, some of his research and some of his um, garments, they're just extraordinary. Yeah, he really, I mean, it's it's again that, that detail, right? Yeah, um, amazing detail. He really yeah, he really pulls some stuff. And I just, I just love, I mean, like, that's like kind of grail stuff for me. Like, I would love to just be in, in I, I, I have not been to his store yet. Oh, and his store's amazing. I, I, yeah, I know that. Yeah. That's a kind <laughs> of like, amazing, well, John. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a bucket list thing. Like, that's <laughs> one of the first places I go when I, when I make it back over to uh, the UK. Um, and then what is, I can't think of his name right now. His, uh, it was someone that, that, that worked for him, that studied under him. Uh, I can't think of the brand name right now. Oh, it's killing me. And I did go to his store, too, when I was in the UK. It's not Universal Works, is it? No. Um, I, I do like Universal Works, though. Uh, I can't think of his name. I'm blanking out. I and I met him, too. Oh, what is this? I can't think of the name right now. Okay. But you can, you can tell he was in, I mean, clearly like working under him and with the brand, he just, you know, ventured off and did his own thing. And it's just as beautiful and just as considered. I think he's out of Scotland. <coughs> oh, is it um, Kirsten? Yes. Yeah, Kirsten. Yeah, Kirsten here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's doing it. Yeah, it's Kirsten. Yeah. That's right. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, just a, a great brand, a great guy, too. I met him in New York at an at a expo. Okay. And uh, we, we were talking about, I think we, we were talking about workwear uh, over, over a glass of uh, scotch <laughs> at, at the, um, which was funny. I'll tell you this. It, he, he's such a nice guy. He offered, we were talking about scotch and then all these things because I do like, um, there's one brand of scotch that I like called Laphroaig. And we were talking about that. And he, he's like, he poured me, which I thought was great that he even had a bottle at this expo. It was, you know, <laughs> and I, you know what? I'll say this too. The, the scotch, uh, he was telling me there was a, there was a chore coat that he did and it was dyed. It was something, it had something to do with the scotch. It was the way it was dyed and right. the color. Okay. And it was like, there was a connection there. Like the bottle of scotch was there for a reason. And it was about the dye of the, of the garment. I can't remember. This was a few years ago. And he offered me a glass and I said, yes. And, but he didn't drink with me because it was like 10 in the morning. And um, he was, you know, working or whatever. And I was just like, oh, well, it was still great. But he didn't, <laughs> he didn't drink with me. Who, what he what would you say, um, you know, would you say at the moment that passion drives 
even if you're not making it very big in in photography to anyone at the moment, what would you say to them? If they're struggling, yeah, if they're struggling at the moment, um, and you know we've we've all struggled um, in the creativity world. You, you do have to struggle. It's just the whole gift yeah. of it. I think. What would you say to them? I'd say when that struggle happens, right? I think that that might be a sign to take a break, right? Like just like anything else, like yeah. even if during an, again, you know, a work day, right? If it's just like, damn, this day's rough, like, you know, walk away for a second, you know, take a step back and just breathe a little bit, take a little, take a breath or, and, and, and not to take like a full, like in a year away, but just take a day or two, you know, just like painting or, or anything, you know, sometimes we need to rest our brain. And I think that's where sometimes when you rest a little bit, yeah, you know, an idea, an idea will pop up or something, and I think trying other things. I think uh, I remember uh, was it? Uh, I think it was Sagmeister, the graphic, the the designer, Stefan Sagmeister, was talking about. This was years ago when I was in college. He said, like paying attention to where you get creativity from, yeah. and it can be from the most random place. It could be just taking a shower. And I think, I think in the, you know, where we are now with social media and just always being connected to something, it's like even taking a shower, just not have, not being connected to something, having, you know, 10 minutes to let your mind wander and think yeah. and, you know, be clear, I think helps. And, um, and I think trying something else, you know, like we were saying, like, I have a nine to five, but my passions are, are almost the complete opposite from it. And yeah. those passions inspire my work. And sometimes my work inspires my passion. So I think um, trying different things, you know, being outside, like, not, well, you know, being careful with germs and all these other things that are going on, but like just being out and about and, and putting yourself out there and meeting new people and going to events and going to expos and just being a sponge, you know, um, I think that would be it. It's, it's just like, take a, take a break. You know, the world, like we're overwhelmed at this point. There's so yeah. much things going on. There's yeah. so many things to do. Yeah. It's so overwhelming. And I think sometimes we just need a break travel. I'd say travel. Yeah. That's a good one. Traveling actually opens up a lot of things, opens up the mind even more. Yeah, travel would be number one. That would be that would be it. If I could boil it down, don't travel. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your, uh, what's your next project, John? My next are you project. Are you allowed to say, or are you allowed to talk about it? Um, there is. I'll say this: that I have one design project that is big and i can't talk about it unfortunately okay i'll update you i'll update you when i when i can which will cool. probably be in a year cool um so i have that going on and as far as photography i'm shooting some products now for no chasers next issue wow and and i'm talking we're in talks you know uh, i'm curious to see what we're going to do next as far as um shooting some some fashion editorial and mm -hmm. see what we're going to do there so I'm starting to think about that. And then I'm thinking about one updating and creating a photography website, uh, a place to hold my work because I, right. 
I started, um, I started laying it out and just by laying it out, I was just like, wow, these photos don't belong on a, you know, a, 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 a phone screen. Like we no. need, I need to look at them bigger. They just, Definitely. they feel different. Definitely. You need they to feel get different. them, you need and to then, have a gallery. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be putting that up, and I'll definitely you know send you that link once it's done, Please and do. it needs to be done sooner than later. Um, but I think one of the most exciting things is that after all these years of shooting, I'm finally gonna self-publish a photography book. Ah, oh, we were talking about that. I remember we yeah. were actually talking about that. Well done, congratulations. Yeah. I need a so, copy. I want a copy. Yeah. So, so I think. You know, it's going to be my first book and wow. it's going to just be filled with years of, of photography. I, I don't think that I want to, you know, uh, limit it to just fashion or just product or whatever I want. I basically just want you to be able to see through my eyes yeah. and, and how I see the world. And on that note, I can't wait for this book. And I'd just like to say thank you to John for taking some time out to talk to me on Men's Wear By a Woman podcast. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure, John. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.